Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network, as we're here to continue our discussion on 24, season one, episode number eight, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., the earliest press conference in the history of presidential elections. And this is the big moment we've been waiting for, the assassination attempt on Senator Palmer that seven episodes of this have been dedicated towards well the seven episodes that weren't dealing with just beating up uh <laughs> janet mercilessly Aww. uh but we get all the drama this week of kim taking a nap and jack's <laughs> id being scanned and that little assassination attempt which is a big deal as well uh my name is colin and you still race motorcycles and my name is ben and right now listeners are planning to listen to another podcast my small, fragile ego is missing, and podcast hosts that I work with may not give a shit. I'm Oz Network host Ben Waterworth. Today is going to be the shittest episode of my life. And that is the first generic, this is the longest day of my life. Have we discussed this before? I can't remember. That this is in every single episode now for the rest of this season. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you thought the um, the presidential California primary thing gets a bit repetitive, <laughs> but... Uh, this one, like on my copies, I still don't have a previously on 24, but I have this. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say though, is I think I've mentioned before that in the first season, I believe they got Keith Sutherland to literally record this like all the time. And then they realized, Hey, we can just recycle this. Um, <laughs> like, what type of lazy crew are they? <laughs> they, they? They go to like season three when he's saying like 2am to 3am and like, hey, we could have just used the one from last season, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, they do change this intro though. Like it, like it, in this one, he says like, my wife has been kidnapped. So I think they do change it to my wife and daughter. Oh, sorry, the other way around. My daughter has been kidnapped. So they add my wife to it. And then later on, they will say my wife and daughter have been targeted. So like they do... If you pay attention enough, they actually do slightly change the wording of this across the way. I remember seeing this, uh, when I watched this was original on the air, I probably didn't notice the whole, this is the longest day of my life. But when this came out on DVD, we talked about how this show almost single-handedly was what built DVD sales for TV shows because the show ended, it got decent ratings. Everybody picked up a DVD over the summer and it became this phenomenon binge binge watching was born through 24. So when I got the DVD and watched this leading into it before season two came out, I remember seeing this. And then after a while being like, Oh, that just sort of came out of nowhere. Oh, they've got it in every single episode now, but it's, it's such a 2001 thing to do because again, serialized TV didn't really exist on American television. It was a thing, you know, almost everywhere else in the world, but nothing like this had ever been done before. And this and alias, both came out at the exact same time and both used 
the cliffhangers, the, the direct continuation, the serialized format. And I've just been rewatching season one of Alias. And I think it's around the same, maybe a little bit later in Alias. It might be like uh, yeah, a, a couple episodes later than episode eight in Alias. They started doing the same thing. It's like, my name is Sidney Bristow and I'm a double agent and I work for the CIA. And the only other person knows is a person I barely know, my father. You know, my daughter same... has been kidnapped and this is the longest day of my life. <laughs> uh but yeah both shows very similar both use the same type of introduction neither really used it for future seasons it's just you had audiences still i think kind of confused and overwhelmed with i i didn't see what happened last week what am i going to do and instead of just doing relying on the previous on 24 they're like let's introduce something that explains the whole season uh it is important i think if you had never seen shows like this before but you would never need this now Mm. Uh, people know, oh yeah, any type of TV show, you're going to have to follow it from the beginning. In fact, it's probably rarer now to find a TV show that is just, uh, you know, standalone episodes, uh, that, uh, as opposed to serialized, which 90% of shows now are. Which, yeah, I mean, you, you look at a few years after this and we're obviously sort of covering it on the Oz Network, may, may not have been a break. I don't know if the new episodes are starting being released when we're doing this. Lost, I mean, Lost kind of turned it up a hundred times more. I mean, and even, you know, Desperate Housewives sort of did it and like other shows were doing it after this. And it's Judging Amy? Ju- judging Crossing Jordan. <laughs> um, will they ever cross her? I don't know. Um, but it's kind of interesting you mentioned Alias because I think I... I remember around this time when we got these shows in Australia that um, leading into it, the, the first I'd ever heard of 24 and Alias was when I think both Jennifer Garner and Keith Sutherland won the Golden Globes that year. Um, and we hadn't quite gotten the shows in Australia yet. So for me, it was like, oh, like, you know, what's Alias? What's 24? Like, who are these people winning awards for shows that I have not heard of? How dare they give awards <laughs> for shows I've not heard of? Um, so they kind of are very closely matched, I guess, in their timelines, aren't they? Similar to Lost and Desperate Housewives. They were both ABC shows based, both, both basically came out at the same time. So what, what network was Alias on? What what was that? ABC. ABC. Right. So they did have hits before, uh, Lost. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, ABC was always that other network that I didn't know existed (laughs) until Lost and Desperate Housewives (laughs) came out. I was like, okay, CBS, that's Survivor, NBC, that's everything. Um, oh, ABC, that's a network. Okay. Yeah, it is a network. They had some hits like Roseanne, Home Improvement, but uh, I could maybe no dramatic television. Um, this episode's weird, though. Uh, if we're going to kind of talk about the content of it, because if you would have asked me leading into this, oh, what was the biggest episode of season one? I probably would have said the assassination attempt. And as you know, I mentioned um, the end of the last episode, I almost foolishly said, oh, you know what? I don't remember anything that really happens in between the end of, you know, Nina uh, fake getting shot and when the assassination attempt. I thought we are three or four episodes to go. And you were just like, oh, I think you might be pleasantly surprised by next week. And of course, it was the same episode I said was going to come later. Uh, but rewatching this, I'm not going to say that I have any problems with it, but it is a, even for 24, it is very slow build for about 15 minutes of great action. To me, this episode was almost like what most people consider the best episodes of Survivor to be. Oh, if have a great tribal council, it's a great episode. And then forgetting, well, really not much happens before the, the tribal council, or in this case, before the assassination attempt. 
I could not disagree with you more. Uh, I think this episode is fantastic. <laughs> and I, I'm, I mean, deadly serious. I think this is just building up on what we've had the last few weeks where just it keeps getting better. And I remember watching this episode for the first time and being hooked. I watched this again. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. I think the tension and all the buildup that leads to what we get is fantastic. Um, and, and this is an episode that I could see when we'd been doing this for five or six seasons, still possibly being in the top 10. I love this episode. I think it's brilliant. I think there's a top five moment potentially in this episode. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised you're saying that. I, I, wow. I, I think this episode is brilliant. This, this episode won an Emmy for editing. We got nominated for an Emmy for, for score, which again, we haven't really talked much about Sean Callery yet. And I, I want to talk about this episode, but, um, God, yeah, you're an idiot, Cole. This episode's brilliant. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even saying I dislike the episode in any way. I'm just saying that I thought that this would have been one of these, oh, it's so jam-packed with action. And we'll kind of cover some of my feelings throughout here, but it, it's very drawn out until they get there. And I think the reason for that is to build the suspense. But there probably were some more things. I thought there were more things in here in the lead-up. Um, this really comes out of nowhere. Uh, but uh, still a good episode. Don't get too angry with me. <laughs> Simmer down there, Ben. Good episode, <laughs> I like it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right off the bat, we start with Palmer drama, which how can it get better than Palmer drama? Uh, this, the one thing I'm going to say I'm disappointed with is this conversation between uh, David and Sherry, where he's after last week, it, it felt weird. Cause it almost felt like Keith was getting through to him. Where it's like, no, you're basically going to wreck my life. And uh sherry was the one really pushing no we should bury this and then instead this episode starts like i've decided i'm gonna hold the press conference and maybe because i've heard both keith and sherry's side of the stories at this point now i'm like totally against palmer i'm like this is really dumb you're not being an honest politician like this is totally self-centered uh she she i think even delivers a line where she says something about oh yeah this or maybe it was keith it says yeah this is going to end with me in prison and you in the oval office well, yeah, that kind of is the way it's going to go. There's no way around this. This is a scandal one way or the other, but probably Keith does do time. <laughs> this comes out. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm souring a little bit on Palmer's nobleness as a presidential candidate here. I think this is just, uh, I mean, we've sort of touched on in the last few weeks that maybe it's, you know, we're not that against the Palmer drama anymore, but I think there's just enough in here. Like you kind of need a bit of a scene before. I think this episode wouldn't have worked if all of a sudden you just go straight to the breakfast. You know, I feel you need to have a scene like this. And I actually really like Keith in this scene when kind of, you know, like Palmer's like, yes, and I'm going to tell them. And it's like, oh, you know, this is my, I'm going to go to jail. And it's like, no, son, you're not going to go to jail. And I love his reply. It's like, then you're a fool. <laughs> and he's like, the way he kind of replies, I, I honestly think he's brilliant in this scene in the way he's just like, I'm going to go spend my last hour yeah. of freedom and I, I don't want to be around you. Um, I just, I, yeah, this whole sequence is just, it's enough Palmer drama for me. It's not over the top. It's enough to lead into the, the breakfast. And kind of, it's, it's interesting that this whole episode is, about this assassination attempt and you don't really like Palmer's kind of a background character in this episode, which I think you kind of need, I I feel because this episode is about Jack and it is about kind of, you know, will he or won't he and kind of, that's what I love about the tension of this episode. It's kind of just that build up of Jack and just the desperation you see from him and you know, what's going to happen with everything. So yeah, um, I, I, I think there's enough Palmer drama and also before Palmer drama, Nina picking herself up and walking down a hill. Good on you, Nina. Yeah. You pick yourself. That's a that's a motto for life. Just pick yourself up when pick you get yourself shot. Up, and walk walk down, down a hill. 
Yep. There's a, there's a motto in that for kids. That should be on a, put it on a T-shirt. Be like Nina. Pick yourself up. Walk down a hill. Uh, interesting bit of trivia that I just read up here. There are three assassination attempts on David Palmer. We're not going to spoil too much here. Uh, season one takes place between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. Season two takes place between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. And season five, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Is Palmer still alive in season five? I cannot answer that question without giving away a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I kind of confused four you and five. You kind of just gave away soon. a spoiler about his potential death. Is she still alive? <laughs> what are you saying, Colin? He's always alive. He doesn't well, die at all. It's like Keith. Is Keith still alive? Well, Keith's assassination attempts always happen between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. <laughs> uh, another interesting bit of trivia. Uh, I got to go back to see this, but... Uh, do you remember Jell Cerno? <laughs> What's it, episode three? Yep, Jell Cerno. Yep, is he back? Is he? Uh, apparently, his name is misspelled as Jowl Cerno on this <laughs> one. <laughs> what is their issue with Joel Cerno? One of the creators of this show repeatedly getting his name spelled wrong as Jell and Jowl. I, this needs so, to be our count. How I many mean, misspells of Joel Cerno's name? Like, his name is Joel. It's pretty easy. It's not Michelle Shannon. Like, I can't even say his name yet. Like, come on. I mean, even Kiefer is a bit of a weird name. Like, come on now. I, I Just on that note of um, of random names, Colin, I'm going to throw out a name for you right now, and I'll tell you the story about this because it's actually quite funny. Keep an eye out for Andrew Geller in this episode. Just, uh, just... Andrew, well, I've watched it already, so you'll have to point it out when it comes. But Andrew, when, when Andrew Geller. Geller's on screen. Uh, I will point out Andrew Geller. Good old Andrew Geller. Uh, the, the Alan York of real life. Uh, anyways, we get a lot of stuff happening here at the beginning, a lot of cutting back and forth. We get our assassination, our photographer. Uh, is he the assassin? That's what we thought the whole time. Mr. DNA replacement surgery, who at least needs contacts. I'm here to take uh, his, a picture of the senator. <laughs> his camera is going to be very important in this. Um, and also we get introduced to one of uh, Gaines' henchmen at the base. Now, not the really creepy-looking guy that we not mentioned Eli. last week. What was Eli? Yeah, we love Eli. But this guy, I don't even know if he speaks in the episode, but if you recognize him, he played Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted. He's also one of the henchmen in Die Hard. In mm. Die Hard, he was the one right before the FBI tries uh, raiding the building or uh, with their tank and everything where they're just sitting, all, all the terrorists are sitting inside and he's got his gun ready and he sees like a little snack booth and he takes out a candy bar and starts eating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that guy's one of Gaines' henchmen in this episode. He's going to make he's, another appearance here. Yeah, he's in a couple of episodes. Yeah, I don't think he speaks, but um, mm-hmm. I think kind of if you're ranking the henchmen of Gaines, like, you know, uh, Eli is probably the most prominent outside of uh, Rick and Dan, but... Um, or Mandy, I guess. I mean, but she kind of disappears, right? But um, mm. yeah, no. This this guy, I feel uh, Neil Nagy is his name. Is the character's name or Nagy? I probably should pronounce it correctly. Uh, he's in how many episodes? Um, I will come back to you for that one. All right, you come back to that, Ben. You keep looking. He's if you know how episodes. to read, this will go quicker. Four episodes. Four. Okay. Yep. Well, we'll see if he. We're just waiting for him to speak. Come on. <laughs> and in the Indian uh, version of Twenty Four. He's a Nepalese character. So there you go. Ah, mm. crossovers. Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's in the episode. And uh, Jamie, um, I-, I mentioned last week that they don't like completely make it clear that she's a double A, at least in my perspective. Like, well, you can still play this both ways. When you see her getting 
IMs from Gaines. It's pretty clear at the beginning of this episode as she goes to the toilet to excuse herself. On the PDA. Uh, oh, PDAs. <laughs> uh, we get um, Milo complaining that they brought him in at 5 a.m. And Milo. <laughs> he's Dude, so coming great. 5 a.m. to format files. Format files. <laughs> I work on the guidance system. Like, he is so <laughs> Boris. I've never noticed until now. He is so Boris. Works <laughs> on the guidance system. Level two programmer. You sit on it, but you can't take it with you. Keep coming in and format files. <laughs> He's so obnoxious. I don't know. Like, I, I don't remember. I mean, I remember him in the show because even when he comes back in season six, I'm like, oh, it's that guy, Milo, from season one. But we've joked about it before. It's like, of all characters, you know who you got to bring back? You know who the audience really loved? Milo. Yeah. Nobody thought that ever. But rewatching this now, I'm like, <laughs> huge dog. <laughs> he does. Like, this is Eric Balfour, what he's known for. Eric Balfour has a massive dong. His dong goes from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill. Nina Myers was following that. That was her her guide down the hill was Milo's dong. He, his dong came in at 5 a.m. to format files, and he started yeah. at 8. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, like, I actually really see why they would see potential in bringing him back, even though his character in season six is nothing like this character. Uh, but no. I like this. He is maybe the most – until we get Chloe, he's maybe the most obnoxious you know, desk worker that we get in 24. And I never fully appreciate him until this episode, but I love Milo. <laughs> Milo is great. Yeah, we, I mean, you do, yeah, every season we've kind of egged on about this, that you have the obnoxious, you know, office worker basically. And Milo is the first, let's be honest. Like you kind of think, is it Jamie? Is it Tony? It's it's Milo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I mean, doesn't he just disappear in this season too? Like I, I feel like he's not in it for the entire season from memory or maybe he comes and goes. Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like you're right. Like I, I remember going into season six when they're like, and Milo Pressman is returning. You're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> really? Right. Like, come on. Uh, he's in it for one, two, three, four, five episodes and he disappears for three. Then he's in it for another three. Then he's gone. Uh, and then he doesn't come all the way back until season six. So he just got although, tired of formatting those files and went home. He is, but. Good, good news, Colin. He's in three of the Expanded Universe novels. So, uh, Operation Hellgate, Trojan Horse, and Vanishing Point. So, Well, look at this. He also plays a Nepalese guard in the Indian <laughs> version of 24. <laughs> <laughs> We're well suited for that role, I feel, Eric Balfour. Yeah. Nepalese guards also have giant penises. <laughs> uh, it was total typecasting. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Uh, we also get Kim being reunited here. With, uh, <laughs> with good old Leslie Hope. Um, so <laughs> she takes a nap, that's right. Nina gets to a phone and calls Tony. Uh, this feels like a very, I, I don't want to say out of character moment for Tony, but like Tony should be completely, completely frantic right now. I mean, his girlfriend's gone. He realizes there is something up with her. Uh, you know, Jamie is uh, giving him this story about, oh yeah, Division has this meeting. She just called me herself and all that. Nina calls and she's giving no information. Now he just saw her go off with her ex, Jack, with his hand up her shirt, basically, <laughs> giving no details. And she calls, oh, where are you? Uh, I can't tell you. Oh, uh, what are you up to? Uh, I can't get into it. Like, I just want Tony to be like, gotcha. So what are you wearing? Like, <laughs> that's Tony. And it says like, oh, well, okay. Well, can I do anything to help you? Like, Tony should be like, listen, 
this relationship is over right now unless you tell me why Jack had his hand up your shirt and why <laughs> Jamie's lying about both of you guys. I'm pulling rank. <laughs> I'm pulling rank. Yeah, I got rank here. Flavor saver, come on. Rank insignia. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, the, uh, the, the main bit of, I guess, Tony's story here is going to be Jamie's bad lying, where she says, oh, yeah, I just talked to her. Like, really? <laughs> Interesting. Because he even says to Nina, it's like, Jamie says she just talked to her. I have no idea what she's talking about. So now Jamie's outed. And again, I remember this taking longer. Maybe it's just, uh, it's been so long since I've watched this. I thought all this played out. Over long- Here I am saying that this episode is like a slow buildup <laughs> for 15 minutes. And I'm contradicting myself by saying, oh, I thought that this lasted for even longer than this. But I thought that Jamie... You know, the, the the whole discovering of Jamie being the double agent was like 13, 14 episodes in. But, I mean, it happens in less than an episode. I mean, we're like minutes left in uh, episode seven, and now minutes into episode eight, she's already discovered. Which the main part of that will come next week, and it's actually interesting. I sort of read ahead a little bit mm-hmm. in 24, the official guide, and um, Joel Cernow or Jell Cernow or Jim Jam Jam, whatever <laughs> his name is, um, <laughs> he basically says that they actually were writing this as they went along. Like they, they didn't know mm. kind of what was going on. So they, they didn't even know who the mole was early on. So they kind of, you know, put it as, as Jamie. And then kind of as the season progressed, they kind of need to add more elements of this. So I don't want to go into too much details for spoiling things. But um, it was kind of interesting to read that because I, I thought it was a little bit more structured than that. Um, but, yeah, like everything that happens in this opening part of this episode, again, I just think just works so well to set up. Like the Palmer drama works great. When we have, I'm here to take the president's or the, the senator's picture, like, you know, that's kind of tension-filled. And and props to Aaron. I just is- want to give Aaron a special shout-out this episode. This guy's good at his job. He's checking everything, right? Like, like where was he in <laughs> the check, airport? Check your work. Where was he for 9-11? You know, they wouldn't have gotten on the plane. <laughs> like, Aaron here is like, get your camera out. And later on with Jack, like, what do you need a laptop for? Open the laptop. <laughs> turn it on. Go to www.imnotaterrorist.com. There's your picture. <laughs> okay, moving on. Like, Aaron, star of this episode. Um, but even like that's tension because you're thinking like, oh, is there going to be a weapon in here? How's this going to... Because again, you, you're guessing. You don't know what is going to happen, how they're doing this assassination attempt. Um, I love it when Terry gets to the compound and you've got that great shot of like the the hood, the POV shot, and when it gets pulled off the head and you see Gaines. And again, Gaines, like, oh, I can't speak highly enough of him. Just kind of the way he's just... Again, so calm and just basically like, if your husband does what he says, you'll be released within the hour. Then he kind of just turns back to his screen and he's just all like to Jack, like left, right, left, right. Um, you know, just so good. I, I love random guy at bus stop to Jack. Like, hello, Jack. How you doing? Here's a briefcase. Have a nice day. <laughs> Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Um, <laughs> off he drives. Um, again, great. Um, Jamie going to the bathroom. Like, I just... I just love the thing that I love about whingy, obnoxious CTU workers is when they argue with each other. Like, just it just reminds me of um, yeah. Chloe and what's his face in season three. Uh, just like you know, they're bickering and back and forth. And I feel like I'm going to appreciate Chloe a lot more in the early days of season three when you just oh, yeah. usually hate her so much. Uh, but yeah, Milo just you know, you're fucking full of fools. Just like the look Jamie gives him, I love I love the bathroom exchange here with Jamie and random CTU employee, slight smile, and then I also love like this correspondence with Gaines on the Palm Pilot, and basically, <laughs> talk to text is still so bad in 2021. Like it's not <laughs> accurate. 
Yeah, like we went this in like one of the earlier episodes, right? When they got a transcription of the phone call immediately, his gains like, does ba- Bauer know this? And it's like, perfect. And you just have to press yes or no. Like <laughs> we have iPhones in 2021 and you can't even do this. Like, <laughs> this is a Samsung Palm Pilot. <laughs> Don't think that has iOS 12, does it? <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's again, the tension of the scene. It's great. You now fully know that Jamie's evil. Um, I love like Terry and you talk about Terry and Kim, like Kim has an app, but I'm actually all on the Terry and Kim storyline this episode. I love it when they get reunited and you get the great score by Sean Callery just in the background. Like, this is what, episode eight, and you still feel so emotionally connected to the ordeal that these two have gone through. You know, mm. it's, it's, here's their reunion. And like, they do this so well in this season. Every time these guys, like I said this earlier, when Jack and Terry reunited a couple of episodes, you always feel that sense of, ah, whenever they reunite. Although I do love here Kim's reaction to finding out Janet's dead. It's a, Oh, oh well. <laughs> you think she's upset? This is like a best friend. She's just like, oh, okay. Um, it's kind of like, remember how that 747 got blown up over the Mojave Desert about eight yeah. hours ago? <laughs> Should be all over the news. Like, like, should this not be Palmer's opening? Like, and before we begin today, our thoughts A and moment prayers. of silence. <laughs> like, like, legitimately, that's what happened. I was in Melbourne when the Christchurch uh, shootings happened a couple of years ago, right? And on the same day, I went to a, a soccer match. And, like, this was within hours. And before the game started, it was a moment's silence for the victims of Christ. Fine, like, absolutely, let's remember them. And, again, not to take away from the people who died, that 50 people died, that's, that's terrible, right? This is 747. Like, what, two, three, four hundred people are dead? This guy's going to be president? And he's not even like, oh, we mourn the, the loss of life on this mm-hmm. 747. <laughs> like, okay, I'm not voting for this guy. <laughs> the Republican <laughs> candidates, they're going, uh, holding a candlelight vigil outside the, the thing. <laughs> Little nitpick. Um, but, um, okay, Nina. Now, you said Nina calls Tony, Colin. Are you sure that Nini, 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 Nini. <laughs> good old Nini. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite food panini um <laughs> are you sure <laughs> it's not funny didn't call andrew geller okay did she call andrew geller i did i, I block out andrew geller i believe nini called <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so according to 24, the official companion seasons one and two by Tara DeLulu, um, Carlos Bernard, uh, when he read for the character, didn't know anything about it and was told that the character was corporate backbiter Andrew Geller, a Jewish guy, (laughs) uh, to which Carlos Bernard said his agent said it was an interesting script, um, but he's reckoned that Carlos would never get. It. I love that Carlos Bernard's agent was basically like, nah, you're not going to get the role of Andrew <laughs> Geller. You're uh, not good enough. <laughs> so eventually got the role. And apparently, uh, according to Carlos Bernard, he said that he and Jill Cernow, um decided <laughs> to change the character's name 10 minutes before his first scene was shot, to which they changed it to Tonio Almeida, short for <laughs> Tonio? Antonio. Right, so he's going to be Antonio Almeida. The reason they changed it to Tony is because Kiva Sutherland couldn't say Tonio. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he's keeps up. There's like 50 outtakes of him on the phone going, damn it, Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, damn it, Nini, Tini. Damn it, Jill. Fuck it. Just call him Tony. I want another T-shirt, a big heart around Nina and Tony's faces. It says, Nini Antonio, true love forever. <laughs> Shipping Nini and Andrew Geller. Iconic iconic TV couples, Nini and Andrew Geller. <laughs> so was there, did I miss it? Or is there a reason why they thought Andrew Geller doesn't work? Let's call him Tonio. <laughs> they, they don't say, they just said that they changed his name 10 minutes before the plot. And the other interesting thing here, which is actually quite, uh, I like this, is the fact that Tony uh, Carlos or, or you know, uh, <laughs> Andrew was never told whether his character was good or bad. Um, and basically Carlos Bernard said that he played it good and basically... <laughs> what? Uh, this is him playing it good? Yes, apparently. But um, it says, During the first half of the season, Tony was portrayed as a very ambiguous character, willing to undermine Jack Bauer whenever he didn't perform procedures by the book. Bernard says the goal was to keep audiences guessing about the character's true motivations. I didn't know if he was going to end up a bad guy or not. It was a whole different way to work when we started off the show. We didn't know what was going to happen. And the director, Stephen Hopkins, had a way of using multiple cameras and one with a long lens that would catch everything you did. My take on the character was that it didn't trust anyone else. And a lot of the time, if you're caught in a position of not trusting other people, you come off looking suspicious yourself, which I think is true. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Good on you, Carlos Bernard. And screw your agent. I hope your agent got (laughs) fired after that. That role seems shit. Like, I'm sorry to Carlos Bernard's agent, probably a nice guy or girl. But, like, without this role, would we be talking about Carlos Bernard 20 years later? Probably not. No. We'd be talking about Andrew Geller 20 years later. Andrew Geller. (laughs) Yeah. I reckon Amy Brenneman would have gotten this role. (laughs) Judging Amy's ratings are going down the toilet a little bit. Come read for Antonio Almeida, Amy Brenneman. (laughs) Lovingly called Tonio by his friends. Yeah. (laughs) Keith Sutherland couldn't say Amy Brenneman. Get Amy Brenneman. Get Amy Brenneman. Fucking get that woman from that judging show on. I've just got this picture now. Keith Sutherland just can't pronounce names. Tinio. Tinio. From now on, let's legitimately see if he only pronounces like Tony and Sam and Jim and Jill. Like these are the yeah, names well, we that Kim Sutherland pronounced. Speculate on everybody else's name. Nino really was originally Nini and Nini. he just couldn't pronounce Nini. <laughs> he goes to a restaurant. I want a panina. I mean a, a panani. I mean a, oh fuck what's that thing called? A panini, sir? Yes, give me a panunu. No. A, a, fuck it, just give me one of those things that you, in the cabinet right there. <laughs> wow, that's amazing bit of trivia there. Andrew Geller. <laughs> My favorite character in 24. Andrew Geller. We get Carlos Bernard on the show. Hi, welcome to the show. The guy who played Andrew Geller for six seasons. Um, yeah, so Kim and uh, um, Terry reunited, as you mentioned. Yeah, there is a, a bit of a fight scene that's going to happen here when uh, Dan, not Dan, when Rick comes in and he wants to help them and uh, Terry kind of starts smacking around and the other guy comes in, hey, no funny business, guys. <laughs> you already got some action an hour ago. Now you want the mom instead? <laughs> but I do, I love Eli's reaction, right? He's just literally like, what's going on here? Come on, Rick. <laughs> tisk, tisk. Bad, hey, bad, hey. bad. <laughs> we talked about this. It's my turn now, okay? Come here, mommy. <laughs> you said rape can wait, Rick. Well, now it can't. <laughs> rape <laughs> Oh, also, I wanted to mention, you mentioned the laptop there. Uh, I think one of the reasons that why, maybe because I know 
how this ends, a lot of suspense is stripped for me. I mean, you know how it ends and the suspense is gone too, but I will tell you, I remember watching this episode the first time and a lot of these moments like the laptop or even just the fact that you're assuming the whole time, oh, Belkin's the assassin. What's Jack even supposed to be there for? Not realizing Belkin's simply smuggling something in for Jack. Uh, just that twist of, oh no, is Jack. And you, the audience doesn't really have a chance to catch up to that. I'm not criticizing that. I'm, I'm saying more in defense of, Maybe it's just because I now have it so firmly in my head that I know how this ends, that it's not as suspenseful for me. But watching this the first time, I mean, yeah, I completely agree with you. This stuff was all great. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. But I, I still also think that um, even watching this, knowing how it ends, it's still so tension-filled. And, like, just it, it's Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer just owns this episode because like, just mm-hmm. everything he – like, he, you maybe kind of analyze who gets the most words in this episode. Kiefer's probably not one of them, but, like – everything in his face like when he's in that car and then just even right now i'm watching it on mute and just him kind of like observing the the breakfast and looking around and kind of just everything about him just just completely owns this episode and it's just subtle things like that that just add to the tension right like it's just and even kind of cross, crossing to gains and kind of seeing him watching on the cameras and you know there's a bit where um jack goes into the medical station and kind of goes to open the door and he's just he's, he's panicky he doesn't want to do it and just everything about it just adds to the tension and yeah like yeah i can see what you're saying about sort of like trying to catch up to it and everything along those lines but i don't know like i just i think just it works so so damn well and there's this moment too i might be jumping ahead here stealing your thunder but when jack and palmer stare at like share a glaze at each other like share a look and it's so easy just to kind of think of that as just a oh like you know okay like Mm. i see why they're doing that but like just bookmark that moment because yeah there's like i think it's even in the next episode when i i believe that mike novick brings it up like a guy called jack bauer and i think palmer's like jack bauer why does that name sound familiar so like there's something more here which makes this even more you know adds to it you know the thing i i noted and i don't know if your mind goes to the same place watching the simpsons enough when pierce does ask laptop what's a laptop for i so wanted him to quote homer simpson like it's for pornography. I use it to look at <laughs> pornography. <laughs> oh, they have the internet on computers now. <laughs> uh, but now something that's a little bit silly in this episode, I don't know whether I dislike this or I like it kind of in the, oh, that's funny, even though it shouldn't be way. Um, Jack's old friend here, or old girlfriend, <laughs> Jessica Abram. <laughs> I love this woman. <laughs> but it's just, it's such a tense episode that we're dealing with the imminent assassination of a presidential candidate. And it's all spoiled by some old friend of Jack's, like, Jack, haven't seen you this in a long time. You still race motorcycles? By the way, uh, you married now? Oh, I heard you separate. Oh, separate. Okay. You mind if I give you my number here? You know, we could hook up. I'm going to say, Colin, this is Jamie, right? Because, like, she's, <laughs> she's so into the photographer at first, like, oh, hi, I've been looking forward to meeting you. I love your work. Next minute, Jack, hi, do you want to Like, this is Jamie. This is like Jamie and shirtless men. Keith comes in. It's like, oh, let's go watch some tube. Lie yeah. down. Maybe one thing will lead to another. I just love this woman. I don't know why. <laughs> She's just like random character that I just weirdly love uh, so much. I got to say, actress Jackie DeBatten, uh, best known for Elizabeth the Stripper in uh, the comedy series <laughs> The Office. So <laughs> she did well after 24, clearly. <laughs> She's also in Friends. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> Um, all right. So <laughs> after Jessica, uh, <laughs> almost sidelines, Jack, 
um, we get Jack trying to slip a note uh, to her. It's like, yeah, no, I will give you my number here. <laughs> trying to write down. Life in danger. Palmer going to die. I'm shooter. Something who knows. No, I, Gaze, come on, Colin. He, Cave is horny. I'm horny. <laughs> Meet me in the back in five minutes. <laughs> Here's my resume. Terry Bauer, Nina Myers, <laughs> call for references. You're not quite as good as Nini. Uh, <laughs> Nini. Also, Way better than Tonio, though. <laughs> I just want to say here too, though, uh, that, uh, sorry, Jackie DeBatten was in Nip Tuck. So there you go. I, I like oh, her. Oh, you've already talked about her. I'm trying to remember what character she was. Um, she... Stripper on a pole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I vaguely remember her. Let's just say that. Uh, so Gaines does disrupt Jack's passing of notes in class here. <laughs> now, now we get to the, the stuff that I really love in this episode. And and this I would have completely forgotten about. I wouldn't even realize it was in the same episode. But to me, what's more tense than Jack is Antonio and Nini here. <laughs> First of all, I do th- I do find it kind of funny. She's like, everything needs to be top secret. What you Shows up in a cab. Hey, Tony, can you pay the cab driver? I'm 35 bucks. <laughs> an uber at least come on <laughs> don't let anybody know i'm here <laughs> just right up front they had to call tony uh i've got a nini myers here needs somebody to pay a cab driver I, I actually want to see the deleted scene of nina in the cab an awkward conversation with taxi driver <laughs> so uh busy day yes yes busy day oh what you been up to you look you're a bit dirty there oh nothing, nothing walk nothing. down a hill <laughs> you, you, you got a vote today who, who how do you think the presidential primary is gonna go that palmer's looking good He's running for president, dog. Uh, <laughs> dog. <laughs> hear about that plane crash? <laughs> no, me neither. You a fan of the Cubs? You look like somebody who would be into the Cubs. <laughs> Do you know an Andrew Geller at all? Uh, <laughs> how about that Janet? Uh, <laughs> Do you know any accountants in the valley by chance? I'm trying to call this uh, Alan York all morning. He's just not answering. <laughs> If you're feeling lonely, I got a friend named Jessica Abrams who like to hook up with you. <laughs> so, you want to visit a furniture store? <laughs> Do you know anybody who happens to like to pull rank at all? Uh, <laughs> that'll be eight fifty. <laughs> Traffic in LA today is pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> They're saying cloudy with a chance of rain. <laughs> Say, do you ever think us taxi drivers will lose their jobs in the future? I don't. I think we're in a pretty stable industry, don't you? Do you know any evil people by chance? What are those laptops for, anyways? Do you know these palm pilots at all? You know, I drive a cab during the day, but I file f- f- format files by night. Don't call me in at 5 a.m. I don't have a big enough dong to do that. Say, do you think any of those presidential candidates might have kids who have killed their other kids rapists at all? I tell you what, I wouldn't vote for one of them if that was true. Can't handle that type of drama in my life. (laughs) My last passenger looked like a Nepalese guard. Really didn't trust the guy. (laughs) Why do we come up with pointless storylines for pointless people? Where's Doctor from phone last week? Hey, yes. you know any doctors who happen to find phones? 
can we do what we could do for our Patreon? Let's write our own script to the 24 spinoff with Doctor on Phone, Jessica Abrams, <laughs> and owner of the furniture store, and Janet. All come together at Janet's funeral, mourning the death of Janet York. <laughs> she was so young and beautiful. <laughs> she could take heroin in her arm and not be high. She could take massive dongs from people called Dan. Pull through. Her own best friend hated her. She's not even at a funeral. <laughs> Do you think Kim went to Janet's funeral a couple of days later? <laughs> what about Dan's? Oh, yeah, well, exactly. Is Rick at Dan's? Is Rick at Janet's? Like... It's a dual funeral. They yeah. throw a box spring and a mattress in the grave, toss them both in there <laughs> for all the eternity. Furniture, <laughs> the furniture store owner is still checking. Do you think the furniture store is trying to call Terry back the next day? Like, I've got that message on my phone. What's happening to my furniture store? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was on vacation in Nepal and I got this really panic message. Also, my wife was flying back from Germany, but I can't find her. Was there a plane crash or something? <laughs> Bad day for furniture store owner. <laughs> And the taxi driver. Yeah, I think I had some relatives coming from Germany, but I haven't heard from them. <laughs> oh, the 24 after dark show. <laughs> I'm still debating the, the point of CTU in a world where a plane was just blown up by a terrorist attack. They're still focusing on a guy who's not even... Like, again, I get there, it. He's an important presidential candidate. He hasn't even received the nomination yet. Like, there's like five other Democrats fighting for the position. This is Bernie and this is Hillary <laughs> and this is Joe Biden. They're all fighting for it. Like, poor terrorist attack victims. Well, <laughs> and meanwhile, they got people formatting files just to stall for time. You know, Milo, you really want something important to do? Find out who blew up that plane. <laughs> I'm sure 9-11 happened in 24, yet somebody's lunch got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> the case of the missing lunch. Damn it, we've got to file those, format those files. Someone stole my cheese on rye sandwich. But Jack, 9-11, we... I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> a plane just crashed in the World Trade Center. Hold it, hold it, hold it. We had a threat on the life of a city councilman from Trenton. Okay? <laughs> All hands on deck. <laughs> Starting to nitpick this show destroys the illusion that Jack Bauer's a good agent. I'm sorry, but, you know. You he know, can't even pass a thing? note to an old girlfriend. Remember I said this season's good because it's just basic? It's saving the life of it. If you didn't blow up a 747, I'd be on board with this. I can't forget this innocent 747 that's just been blown up. How many lives were lost? Who cares about Palmer? Exactly. And meanwhile, this is all over the news and Palmer's like, you know what? We got to have the truth come out about Keith. Okay. How about find out who blew up a plane over the Mojave Desert? How many future presidents were on that plane? All right. Yeah. Not just one. Oh, God. Jail Sanders. You don't care about dead fictional people. <laughs> Uh, when we get him on the show, first question, like with all these burning 24 questions, why don't you care about dead fictional <laughs> victims of a 747 terrorist attack? You bastard. They're like, oh, we wanted it in the show, but Jowl Cerno objected to it. <laughs> he said, nobody will care. My fictional cousin was on that plane, Jill. <laughs> His name was Andrew Geller. <laughs> he was so young and innocent. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the taxi driver. 
taxi driver. Now, the good stuff I was talking about was not the taxi driver, but it is interesting to think. Uh, when Nina comes in and she's hiding in a room, and now they're on to Jamie, uh, the best stuff here is when they're 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 looking at the cameras and they're like, okay, we got to lure Jamie away from her desk and all this. And uh, uh, first of all, Tony fixing the camera so they can't see Nina too. <laughs> which which <laughs> do you count? Do you, oh, is that? Oh, this I'm jumping ahead where they count the like 20 seconds to go into the bathroom, which I counted yeah. as like 22 seconds. So you know, ooh, ooh. <sighs> Andrew Geller wouldn't have been late by two seconds. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Andrew Geller's never late. He's a, and also, he's a White Sox fan, the better Chicago team. That's right. Yeah. Now we find all the changes. Andrew Geller, never late, fan of the White Sox. Hates pulling rank. <laughs> Shaves every morning. Zero, zero facial hair on that man. And when he's dead, you know he's dead. There's not an ambiguous, <laughs> no silent clock might return to be an evil person later on. Not that that happens to Tony. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Has a loving wife named Nini. <laughs> the, the, the writers of this show know what to do with the character of uh, of Andrew Geller. That's why that's well, why see, Tony that... gets so kerfuffled later on in this show, right? Because they're writing for Andrew. <laughs> you see, it was Jell and Jowl's idea to have Andrew on the show. Yep. Joel came in and yep. flipped the script. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, you mentioned yeah, the, the really suspenseful part of this where uh, they're... Uh, leading or Jamie's in the bathroom and getting the message and Tony's out there with his gun. And yeah, the camera's on the 20 second loop. I'm going to wait 22. Cause that's just how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the rank uh, on the debating, clock. <laughs> I love when they're debating calling the secret service. And is it even a question? Like here's the first time Tony's actually the smart one on the show. Mm. No, we can't call the secret service. Why not? A presidential candidate's about to die. Good idea. Call the Secret Service. <laughs> Which I mean, look, I, you understand, like you know, oh, Jack's wife and kid. But again, like the job supersedes the the family aspect, right? Hmm. Uh, yeah. The uh, the key card thing where Tony's uh, uh, playing with a key card with Milo. We got the real key card here. <laughs> you know, put me at five uh, a.m. to format files. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that Milo's like so quickly onto it too. He's like, like yeah. this isn't the, this isn't 99%. No key card works that fast. <laughs> Milo's uh, a smart one of this season. Underrated <laughs> smart character. Milo Pressman. Milo and Janet. They need to, uh, let's get the buddy cop comedy of Milo and Janet. I would, let's ship that couple. What a couple that would be. Yes. Bugger Milo, Milo and, Janet. and what's a face in season six. Who cares about them? I want Milo and Janet. Yeah. Yeah. That was very Tim Toolman Taylor. <laughs> ABC. <laughs> is that um, their slogan? You're watching ABC. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Rocky in to do that grunt again. That was good. <laughs> uh, I don't think yeah, so, so, Tim. <laughs> so Pierce now knows that uh, Jack's the one they're looking for. Um, they know about the threat on him. They say, I know your name, Jack Bauer. <laughs> Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> uh, and uh, Pierce is really loud with it too. I made sure to note that. Somebody named Jack Bauer is going to kill you, sir. Shh, keep it down. <laughs> 
which I do. One thing I'll say, I, first of all, I love the random guard that becomes like a, you know, the one that Jack eventually grabs the gun off. So like when Jack goes to the medical station, he's good at his job too. He's got this like very suspicious look like, who are you? Why are you going here? I love how he like fully checks Jack's credentials. Yet when freaking Sniper Man goes back, like what Secret Service guy is letting a photographer back into the back rooms of this facility whereas like they've got to triple check a secret agent like <laughs> you're that secret agent from, uh, <laughs> from, from oh, I can't remember. you're that English secret agent from England or whatever the hell that line is from JW Pepper but um like you I, just I, killed I, Tonio Almeida <laughs> <laughs> is that who it was <laughs> I speak English uh, <laughs> Kiefer doesn't um <laughs> But I love just I love it when he gets that call over the radio and it's like, yes, I've seen him. I've got a 20 on him. But, like, one thing I'll say, for as good as Aaron and this random guard is, like, are they checking the rooms? Isn't that your first point of call? They're just looking up. They're looking down. They're looking left. Yeah. Open the doors. <laughs> uh, now, Jack with the uh, the assassination attempt here, I guess that's the main thing of the episode. Oh, look, before we get that, let's quickly talk about uh, the questioning of Jamie once they have her. Very tense scene. Uh, not, not going to be the worst thing that happens to her, by the way, we're <laughs> a couple of episodes away. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Nina and Tony and Jamie stuff is my favorite part of this episode, even over the assassination attempt. Uh, worst part of this episode, I'm calling it right now. You said you liked Kim and Terry. Uh, Kim saying, Mom, if you're feeling guilty about our fight earlier, why is Terry the one that should have to feel guilty about that, Kim? <laughs> because Kim's a selfish teenager, Colin. <laughs> yeah, now we're right back to hating Kim again. And Kim's hot. Uh, hot people get away with things. That's why I get away with so much stuff on this show. That's 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 why Dan got as far as he did. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> with two women. <laughs> well, Dan and Milo to have a dong off. <laughs> See who wins that fight. <laughs> wow, there's a there's a show this week on <laughs> dong off. Dan and Milo. Dun, 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 dun. Followed by Judy Dench slash people. <laughs> ABC. Uh? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Palmer insists on giving the speech, even though Palmer, I'm really losing my sympathy for Palmer in this episode. He wants to out his son as a murderer, uh, because it's going to be the only way to salvage his, uh, reputation as presidential candidate. Ignore the victims of a terrorist attack. Ignores the victims of a terrorist attack, knows that there's somebody willing to assassinate him. And he says, I'm still making my speech. Why? Because my son must pay for his crimes against humanity. I really don't feel for Palmer. Well, I also feel that Secret Service can pull rank here. I also feel that yeah, Secret exactly. Service have the, like that's their job to protect yeah. political people, right? Gerard I, Butler would never let him get away with this. He would not at all. Um, I, I really do feel like this is legitimately a thing that Secret Service can do. They can full on say, like, you know, I, like if John F. Kennedy. Had a like Secret Service had done their job that day. I don't know. I know the story. They probably did do their job. Sorry, Secret Service, if you're listening. But like, if John F. Kennedy, there was they knew about the threat and like, I'm gonna get in this car and wave to the people of Dallas. And if they'd have been like, No, don't get in the car, then he wouldn't have got in the car and he'd still be alive today. I don't know how old he was. He probably would be dead. He's quite, he was a young man, but I don't know where I'm going with that point. Like, the, the Oz Network, the only place that makes judgments against victims of 9-11 and JFK's assassination. Well, like, well, weren't the Secret Service brought in after Lincoln was killed? Wasn't it? Because fucking Wild Wild West basically tells the story of how the Secret <laughs> Service was brought. Like, 
This is what happens when you get a Canadian and an American. We get our history from Wild Wild West. I'm an American, apparently. Thank you. Um, but, oh, Australian, sorry. But le- legitimately, isn't like that semi-biographical Wild Wild West? <laughs> Wild West is semi-biographical? The giant spider. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you, when you die, you get a freeze frame of the last thing you say. Oh, true. <laughs> and on that note, People pay more attention to Wild Wild West. Great movie. It's not shit. Um, Great movie. I like it. The point is, Secret Service can pull... Like, they're the Tony Almeida of the... Like, yeah. The police force places Look, in America. Rank. They can pull rank. <laughs> they can't. They got no flavor saver. I was going to say, Aaron, no facial hair. Damn <laughs> exactly. It. Damn it. Speaking of damn it, have we still only had the one damn it from Jack this season? Was there even one? There was one. There was definitely a, a damn it earlier on, but I, I feel they're and not And you said we're, gonna, we're not going to have... We're not going to have any kills until uh, later this season. I a couple think more episodes, that, right? I think. I think sort of closer to midday. Oh, great. I just spoiled the ending. Jack doesn't kill Palmer. Uh, he gets tackled to the ground. Start again. Uh, he's got a gun. <laughs> he gets tackled to the ground. I was thinking dumb and dumb when I hear that. He's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> he shot me in the face. <laughs> that was a risk we were willing to. <laughs> Can we just insert that line into everything? What if you shot me in the face? <laughs> Was it brought in five a.m. format file? <laughs> Relax. Relax. I'm just thinking of all these like yelling lines that we've had in movies. I hate them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I just, uh, just thought of something. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> so Jack fails to kill Palmer because he gets tackled to the ground. This is one of those iconic moments I always, whenever I think of season one of 24, I think about how the season ends, the big twist at the end. And I think about this moment of he almost, Jack, the, the hero of the season, almost killed Palmer. Um, he just starts screaming, you help my family. You got to save my family. Why did you say that name? <laughs> and, I wasn't uh, brought in at 5 a.m. to save your family. <laughs> Because this is all happening uh, at the exact same time as Terry and Kim kill the wife and daughter. And then Gaines totally messes this up because he's like, all right, kill them. No, wait, I need them alive. Why do you need them alive? Stay tuned. (laughs) Cliffhanger. Uh, Jack's in custody. End of the episode. So David Palmer escaped death for one more week. Sadly, Tanya Roberts did not. As Tanya Roberts has died. No, wait. She escaped death. Jack Bauer saved her. Oh, Tanya Roberts. Are we going to do this for Dennis Hopper later in this season? Or um, <laughs> Rip Dennis Hopper. It's been like 15 years or something like that. That actually is sad to think that Dennis Hopper's dead. I always Tanya forget Roberts. he's dead. Yeah. And it's not because I don't. I love Dennis Hopper. Some of these celebrity deaths, you know Carrie Fisher's dead, right? Dennis Hopper, what? I always forget. I'll watch him. Like, oh, yeah, when was the last time Dennis Hopper did something? I'm like, no, wait, he's dead. I fall I for that every time. When, when was the last time Dennis Hopper died? Is that the Tenure Roberts? When was the last time Tenure Roberts died? Um, yeah. The one thing I will say, though, about recording these so far in advance between when we release them, like, Kiefer Sutherland could be dead, and we don't know. Oh, oh no, I've just killed him. Oh, how shit. much editing work are you going to have to do? Shit, I've just killed Kiefer Sutherland. Um <laughs> Now, that's a celebrity death the world would mourn. Come on. Um, Tanya Roberts. Um, that and Vistula Shannon. <laughs> he probably is dead. Um, <laughs> a couple of things that I like, I do like in this episode, again, um, I love it when Rick sort of shows up, when Kim's having a nap. Um, still not the worst Kim storyline we will ever get. Um, Kim has a very short nap. Can we just point that out? Like She's up in the yeah. next scene. 
Six um, minutes. <laughs> but I, like, I actually like this scene when Rip, 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 Rick. Um, <laughs> Rip, Nini, Tonio, Rip. <laughs> when Rick sort of comes in. And again, like we're sort of on team Rick right now, aren't we? Like he's been a mm-hmm. bit of a good guy and he brings in the lunch, uh, the breakfast. And of course, Terry doesn't know this. Kim's having a nap. So like she's, you know, it's Terry Bauer slaps people. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I do like the angle of Kim sleeping. I'll just point that out. Um <laughs> Wearing some nice jeans, um, <laughs> but so is Eli. All right, when Eli comes in, I'm like, "Ooh, that's a man I'd like to." I won't finish that sentence. Um, and Andrew Geller, what a man! Ooh, those jeans. Oof, stonewash. Um, <laughs> that's a, we're writing the, we're writing Andrew Geller wears stonewash jeans, always on time. <laughs> Doesn't pull rank. Yes. Um. But I, I do like this sequence, though, when Jack's, like, trying to give a number, like, you know, like, go, Jack, like, got a number. Like, uh, it's it's like um, uh, Night at the Roxbury. We got a number! That's <laughs> <laughs> Jack. But, I, I like, this is where I think it's really good with the tension, right? Because, like, he is writing a name, and then all of a sudden you've got, like, a guy, random blue-collar worker, uh, you know, shoving out a Jessica out of the way with American flag on his hat because he's patriot. Um, like bumps or bumps him out of the way and kind of nods at Jack, even though it's not half obvious that this guy's wearing an earpiece. <laughs> <laughs> what blue collar station worker at whatever this factory is wears an earpiece? <laughs> Bluetooth was that a thing yet? No. Well, even the Secret Service agents you can't see with their earpieces in. Like there was, when I worked at the Commonwealth Games, we I had like a little zone. I had to pull rank. I had I could tell people no. Like if the prime minister had showed up, I had the right to tell them no. You can't enter this area, right? <laughs> you just start pointing. Hey, <laughs> flavor saver. <laughs> can't do it. Like I I got told off by like Indian chef de Michon because they were like, don't you know who I am? And I'm like, no, I don't know who you am. Ah, like I don't care who you are. <laughs> I don't off. know who you am. <laughs> I can't speak English. All right. So, but the the one the people we had to leave like in this area. So like, all of a sudden one day a guy shows up in a suit and he's standing like in an area he's not meant to, but he's got an earpiece in and he's like he's looking around, and I I was living with at the time. Um, my housemate worked in the um the oh what do you call it like the diplomat she worked in the unit which basically um the special people so like prince charles was in town so she helped like okay clear this road prince charles is coming in that sort of thing so she would tell me that like oh the the prime minister's coming tomorrow this that and everything else she's she all she could say to me the night before is like oh there's going to be someone important in the audience at boxing tomorrow and so i've got this guy with an earpiece and i had to go up to him like hi and he's like oh i'm with the protection unit and like i'm like oh yep yeah i couldn't tell him to move I later found out that, like, the president of Nauru was in the crowd and they apparently warranted protection. Um, no disrespect. What would, you have the- done if, what would you have done if it was Eric Balfour who walked in? <laughs> I would have left my post and I would have grabbed his dong. <laughs> I- <laughs> it is true what they say, Eric. Enjoy the boxing. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I just, I don't know, tangent. Guy's got an earpiece. Um, sure. Um I also like the scene with Tony when he like sees Nini and like he's got his <laughs> arm like above her and it's all sexual tension and she like puts his hand on yeah, the the screenshot on twenty four wiki looks like she's choking um <laughs> Andrew Geller there. So <laughs> Um I do love Jamie though, like when she's caught and she's like, No, I wanna speak to I want counsel, I want this and kind of you get a bit of 
future Jack. Damn it, Jamie, we don't have any time. <laughs> like, it's it, they did used to be a drinking game for 24. It was like, have a shot every time somebody says, we're running out of time and the clock's ticking. Like, kind of those sort of lines that are constantly said. Um, this whole sequence, though, when, like, Jack's got to put the gun together and then he points the gun at Thingo and he's just basically like, what are you going to do, shoot me? Um, like, just everything from this moment is epic. And just the moment then when, like, you see Jack, like, trying to look around and what's going on. Uh, slight backtrack, the mayor of Los Angeles, who you've never seen, but you hear him and is like, I'm going to introduce you to the future president. They cut away to commercial and come back like... F- People are cheering David Palmer for five minutes. Like, I don't know if you notice that in terms of the timestamp. Like, because they go to the commercial at, like, 7.48... And then they cut back to him at like 7.53. And only then is Palmer going, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm here today to fight for jobs and make my son a murderer and fuck (laughs) victims of terrorist attacks. Like, that's basically what he's doing. I also do love how on 24 Wiki, um, the mayor has his own page. And you, oh, okay, you see him in the distance. Mayor Nelson. Um, There you go. Oh, apparently he was at... Palmer's victory party later on in the day, played by unknown actor. Okay. (laughs) He also got a novel. He did. Uh, Also, there's categories, roles by unknown actors. There's a lot of (laughs) unknown actors on 24 Wiki. Uh, There you go. Um, Anyway, I'm losing the point. This whole ending is fantastic. I'm nominating this whole final sequence for a top five moment from the Mm. Jack getting tackled, the gun, gun, and then... Gaines, like, did you screw me, Bauer? Did you screw me? And then he's yeah. just like, kill the wife and kids. Like, it's just everything about this. And just, like, again, I'm not going to praise Kim and Terry a whole lot in this show, but just the acting here by Alicia Cuthbert and uh, Leslie Hope, I was going to say Leslie Mann there, <laughs> um, it's fantastic. And just the subtlety of this scene, like, the way that you kind of see them holding hands and you just feel so desperate and just everything with this is so fantastic. Like, oh, so good. Definite nomination for a top five. I think it's our second uh, one just like the plane though will get forgotten about later on like everybody else in 24 does but um <laughs> even just the way they end this with like i need the wife and daughter alive and you see jack getting arrested and okay it's not as like a big cliffhanger as you're ever going to get in this show but compared to some of the other sort of calming ones like i remember watching this for the first time again and be like holy fuck and like just thinking like holy crap they're gonna die and just everything about it was just so so good so um yeah this just caps off the episode as a really really good episode i I see your point in a way where you're like this is kind of like survivor where you only remember it for the tribal council and the rest is kind of crap like i think most people are going to remember it for this final scene but i definitely love every single moment of this whole episode i don't think there's a bad moment in this episode to me so um yeah uh well Let's before we get to rankings, buy we're both buying this episode. I'm already guessing. I'm buying it. Yeah, hands down. Absolutely. Just looking over mine, I don't know what yours is, but I have bought every episode except for I rented episode two and I binned episode four. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I have six buys here. Yeah, I'm I bought every episode. I've rented uh episode two and episode four. So the two that you one that you rented and bin, I I rented both of those. But um no, I've I've bought every episode which is I mean the thing going into all of these recaps, like particularly Nip Tuck and Third Watch, I can probably tell you off the top of my head, like, yeah, okay, I'm going to bin that one. I'm going to do that. Lost, there's a couple where automatically I know are crap episodes, but as they come to me, I remember them. 
this is like, and I think this just comes down to like, again, the episode titles, right? Like, cause I mean, each episode yeah. is just an hour. So, and this is where we are going to get confused with our rankings in season five. Oh, <laughs> 7am to 8am on season two. Like, what was that one? Like, you know, you kind of, it doesn't string to your memory straight away. Well, but, it does um, now that we know that Palmer will have an assassination attempt. True, very true. But like, I mean, th- don't get me wrong. There are definitely episodes right now that I can think of and go, okay, that episode is an epic episode. And when it comes to the really bad episodes though, like there's like, I string them together as a season more so than a single episode. I can't think of mm-hmm. a single episode off the top of my head. Where like, oh, here we are, hour seven of day, you know, whatever. So that's kind of the difference with 24, which is going to be interesting when it comes to our first bin. When that, well, my first bin, you've already binned an episode. Uh, for rankings, I'm I'm gonna put this third again. I, I was not negative on this episode, Ben. I'm just I'm simply putting it third because I think that the last two episodes prior to this were better. Um, episode six, which on paper should have seemed like oh this is the one where nothing really happens, I thought was fantastic. But then last week, the uh, the shooting of Nina, that would be my number one still. But I'm still putting this number three out of the eight we've reviewed. Well, I think now this is four weeks in a row that I've put the uh, the episode we're yeah. covering at number one. I'm doing it chronologically, apparently. Uh, but no, this is this is number one for me. Again, as I said, I, this could potentially end up being a you know a top ten, top twenty episode at the end of the day because like I I will remember this episode. Like all I have to do is like I'll look at the episode title and go huh, but then I'll read about it. I'm like oh yeah, no that episode, that episode's brilliant. So mm-hmm. um, that yeah is where I. I just don't see a single thing wrong with this episode at all. Um, and yeah, brilliant episode. Number one for me. And <laughs> I say this now, next week's probably even better, but uh, this could be the number one for at least a few more weeks. Uh, say that one there. All right. So we're going to be back next week to talk about the one that may be better. We don't know. <laughs> which which uh, next next week, I will say, um, I, I, I like next week in the fact that Jack, you kind of get the first... Like, one thing a lot of people would complain about the show, you never see him go to the toilet, you never see him eat, but it's said in real time, like, little things like that. That's Okay, I can see why you nitpick it. But again, also, there are... You know, we don't see Jack in every single scene. Like, you know, let's cut yeah. to Jack taking a massive dump. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He did it when Jamie was in the toilet. Exactly. But, like, th- there's a bit of, like... You get to see Jack kind of um, fatigue setting in and just kind of the emotional mm-hmm. sort of thing hitting Jack next week. It's, it's That's what I subtle. remember most after this. It's, it's the fallout from this. Like, cause where do you go after this point? You know, I mean, we, we know where it's going to go, but at some point it is going to start to take a toll on him and you can see it starting to break. And this is the thing too. Like we said at the very beginning of this, like this is pretty much the only season where you start off with Jack is just a normal CTU guy. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think season three, he technically starts off as a CTU agent as well. I think it's only season one and three where the only ones where here he is as a CTU agent. He hasn't left. He hasn't gone somewhere else, you know, give me a badge. Like, it's not that sort of stuff. But, like, this is also where you've got to get used to kind of this storyline now because, like, Jack basically is wanted for something. Like, Jack's always going to break the rules. Jack, And this isn't Jack breaking the rules for the better good. Like, this is Jack, like, at his most vulnerable, doing things because his family are in trouble. Moving forward people against Jack is mainly going to be because Jack's going to do shitty things for the greater Mm -hmm. good. So kind of, you're going to get used to this in this show. This is what this show generally is. is somebody chasing Jack for doing something wrong. Um, But this is probably the most different one that you will ever have. And it's kind of, it's where I like some of these episodes moving forward here, because you also get some real shades of Jack. Like there's something he does next episode where you're like, oh, that's evil, Jack, but I see why you're doing it. But like, oh, this is this is the Jack we get to know and love as well. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. 
We only have seven days to wait to watch it. Uh, <laughs> We're a third of the way through this season, by the way, Colin. Uh, yeah, we are, yeah. Yep. Uh, so there we go. And we are how much of the way through the entire series? Not even nearly close <laughs> to a third. <laughs> Scratching the surface. I'll ask Andrew Gill. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, all the exciting stuff still to come. Uh, we're going to get revelations with Jamie. The, there's a big moment coming with her. We're going to get Terry. Big stuff coming with her. Kim will probably take another nap. <laughs> Rape can't uh, wait next week. I'll just point that out. Yeah. <laughs> and Nina. We're going to start to get into the really good stuff with Nina now. As I said, I think Nina might be my favorite character from season one. Uh, so excited for the second. Poor taxi third, driver. And, well, taxi driver would be Poor up there with Janet. the doctor. Janet. <laughs> Uh, all the others Uh, thank you for joining us my name is Colin and I will be reading for the role of Andrew Geller and my name is Ben and don't call me in at 5am to record the Oz Network thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.